What I love most about Mi Gente is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesites, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinz Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm. Proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, it's Luke here, editor of thecustardtv.com and the Custard TV Podcast. This podcast you're about to hear is a beast. We covered six shows, which doesn't sound a lot, but when you're used to covering four, is. And because I was quite keen to leave at the end, I didn't do my due diligence and tell you all about the brilliant stuff we've got on the website, how to follow us. So I'd like to do this at the top now. And so you will hopefully do what I ask you to do. Um, we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Custard TV. I'm trying to grow the Facebook group there. So if you'd like to and you think your friends would like to, tell them about us and get them to like the page. We're also online at thecustardtv.com. This week we have a piece in our opinion section about how Marvel has managed to move the MCU skillfully onto TV with all the Disney Plus shows. We've also got reviews of um, Adam Kay's This Is Gonna Hurt on the site, and a review of the second series of Rose Matafeo's brilliantly charming comedy Starstruck, which is one of the shows we weren't able to cover this week because TV is huge this week. I'm on Twitter at TV. You can find this podcast anywhere you find us. Make sure you give us a five-star review as well, please. That's always helpful. Gets people to know that we exist and we're around. And enjoy this new podcast. The Custard TV Podcast. Hello, we are the podcast from the website, thecustardtv.com. My name is Luke. Hello. His name is Matt. Hello. And her name is Bab. You're right, Bab. It's Sarah. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? The funny thing is, we go through this charade. We know how each other is, really. No, we don't. We don't speak in the week, really, apart from you having a go at each other. I come to the party having watched all of the shows... We are um, planning to watch. I come. We've done bearing... six, by the way, folks. It's yeah. a record. I come so... bearing no anecdotes, though. So yesterday, I went for a really posh lunch with my friend. There was a wine flight and a tasting menu. It was that sort of place. What's a wine um, flight? I don't really know why it's called a flight. It just means different glasses of wine for different dishes. What? Where oh. was it, Sarah? Harborn Kitchen, which is a cracking place in Birmingham. Honestly, they are like... I don't know, six months away from a Michelin star, they are really, really good. 
And so it was that kind of environment. It was very friendly and warm and sort of like a welcoming kind of neighbourhood restaurant, but also serious business happens in there. So I was talking quite loudly because there had been quite a bit of wine to my friend about Pam and Tommy and about a certain, shall we say, special guest star in the second episode. Yes, yeah, I know the one. <laughs> and I said quite a lot quite loudly about a talking penis uh, just as the waitress was about to come and put the food <laughs> down and do that whole thing where they go oh you know this is like wood fired whatever with uh, gratin and you know they do that sort of posh thing where they sort of introduce all of the food and yeah. she was amazing she was completely she heard exactly what I said and then she was poker face and she just got on with her job and I was like <laughs> um, I might have been thinking, God, if I hear another person talk about a talking penis today. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe all of Harborn is a buzz with Tommy Lee's talking penis. <laughs> that does sound like his new rock band. <laughs> <laughs> what was the poshest thing you had? The poshest thing um, had Sea Bream. That was lovely. Ooh. Started out with Devonshire Crab, which was also sensational. There was venison in there as well. That's quite um, dear, though, isn't it? It's very dear. Mm. <laughs> um, but the last thing that I had, because, you know... The Al Sorry. Face yourself with the puns, man. <laughs> You've got to save some of them for the TV. The thing that I was like, what on earth? But it was the last dish, so by that time you sort of trust the chef and you're like, this Go is on. really cool. The pudding was essentially coffee, chocolate and Jerusalem artichoke. You've lost me at Jerusalem. <laughs> I, ch I checked out. I didn't even hear the last word was artichoke for five minutes. Well, you're the guys who watch MasterChef. You tell me whether that combination... Oh, no, I, I, he doesn't I, watch MasterChef. I don't watch MasterChef. I'm too busy. I'm drowning in talking penises. I, I watch here. Great British Menu and it does sound like something they would serve on Great British Menu. It was sensational. It was so good it made me shut up for a bit. That's how good it was. Oh, my God. We'll have to do a podcast outing to Harborn next time. <laughs> next time there's a show, I'll tell you what, I promise, next time there's a show with a talking penis in it, I will take you out. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Uh, this week, as Matt says, we're doing six shows, which we believe is a record. They are. This is going to hurt on the BBC. Chloe on the BBC, uh, Pam and Tommy on Star on Disney+, Plus, Suspicion on Apple TV+, Plus, The Curse on Channel 4, and No Return on ITV. And we're going to start with Sarah talking again, this time about the show she recommended to a friend. This is the BBC's adaptation of Adam Kay's much-loved medical novel, This Is Gonna Hurt. Memoir, I would say, Luke. Memoir rather than novel. God, we didn't get we didn't get far, did we? What are we? Let me have a look. Yeah. We <laughs> seven minutes twelve, according yeah, to yeah, minus edit. anecdote time as well. Yeah, it's so, a memoir, Luke. It's not a, a novel. It's not fictional. Adam Kay um, is acting registrar. He's basically the most senior doctor on the ward until a more senior one turns up, which is how he describes himself. The ward is Obzangini. 
his memoir was the best-selling non-fiction title of 2018. It spent a record 52 weeks at number one, and then it was honed into a West End stage show, which I think you can tell because I it never made... knew that was that was the case. I, I think it's that. made it really like TV ready. And the cheeky little asides to camera and giving the medical details straight down the lens, I thought was really a lovely, quite natural way to do the narrative parts where voiceover can usually be quite clunky. Mm. Um, So Adam is a doctor who takes no shit whatsoever. He's kind of angry and kind of petty. He's super overconfident. Um, And I think the casting is excellent. Um, In fact, it was Adam Kay who said it had to be Ben Whishaw or no one to play him. And the energy is perfect. The whole thing is very unpleasant to begin with. It's absolutely setting its stall out early doors. It's very visceral, obviously. There's quite a scary portion of the show where um, the doctor is basically walking around all day with somebody else's blood in his pubes. It's a very private, heavy podcast this week. We can only apologise. It really is, uh, but I like the Luke, way Luke. I like the way you called it privates. Then, like you I don't know, know what to. <laughs> it's very genitalia heavy. Yeah, there you what go. I yeah, yeah, no, I, I it, like it was just way... an innocence about you saying yeah, privates. I was like trying to think of a genital way of saying gen- genitalia. <laughs> and I like the way we've got a good gender balance here as well. Yes, because this yes. is all foof all the time, which yeah. I don't actually think is a medical term. Obviously, Adam Kay is the central character, but we see his colleagues struggling, thriving, being useless. There's there's many different kinds of people here. The colleague who he, he is really horrible to and a total bitch to is uh, another doctor who is just there to try and learn. Um, but she says that no one's ever had time to teach her. And I completely understand that because everything happens so fast. It's one of those shows where certainly for the first 20 minutes, you just have to cling on for dear life. And I think that works really well with the story that they're trying to tell, that these people are exhausted. They can't sustain this pressure in such a high risk job where life and death decisions are made. Um, and everybody's exhausted. Everybody is just trying too hard all of the time that it's relentless there's no let up the one guy who my skin crawled when he turned up was the consultant i hated him so much on site and you're supposed to because he's the guy who swans in in his suit in his little sports car and you know he's probably off to play golf that kind of thing and he's the one that everyone is so deferential to and yet it seems like he doesn't really do any work at all um, it's that old-fashioned stiff upper lip hierarchical environment that is doing nobody's mental health any good that was Adam Kay's personal undoing because he always said, work is fine, thanks. Um, and then, he, no, it wasn't. He had to get out for his own mental health. I've seen an interview um, that he did a, a couple of years ago and he said that writing his memoir, scribbling down the notes, the original notes that the books came from were his pressure release valve because he'd literally have time for nothing else. And I honestly think he would have been a brilliant doctor because, speaking from experience, um, the best ones are those who can communicate complicated, frightening things to you simply and with humour. But I completely understand that he doesn't want to be in this job. He found out quite quickly it wasn't the job for him. And, you know, he actually did manage to make that leap and leave. It's one of the best things that I have watched this year or last year. I cannot wait to see the rest of it. It's going to be one of those things where you have to hide behind a cushion, but I cannot wait to see the rest of it and people absolutely need to watch it. A love letter to the NHS. But what I appreciated about it was it was it didn't sugarcoat the no, harshness not. and the difficulties that they face, and actually how strained everybody is. 
it's a realistic and brutal look at life in the NHS, and it doesn't try and. And this was in two thousand and six as well. Sorry, Luke. I know. You know know. what it's like. Fifteen years later is Mm. probably even worse. I mean, I, I can't say anything better than how you've put it. It felt really insular and intricate. I felt like I was on the ward with him. I was never bored. It was it was funny in all the right places and and bleak when it needed to be. I just respected every inch of it. I just thought it was brilliant and another another BBC drama that I can't praise enough. As you say, you want people to see it because it's not the show that they think it is. It's got a lot of humour. It's as I like to say, a quintessentially British story. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, not much to add to that really. <laughs> Again. What I would say is I think when we sit down to watch these shows, I don't really have a lot of preconceived ideas going in. I want everything to sort of wow me, but it's very rare that things sort of command my attention. And so far this year, I think we've had three and they've all been BBC dramas. It's this, Mm -hmm. The Responder and The Tourist. These are ones where you don't want to do any, like you say, check your emails, look at the clock, that sort of thing where there's been a lot we've covered that have had that effect. You know, I'm doing other things, having it on in the background. But this, as I say, those other two shows really sort of commanded my attention. Really strong central performance from Ben Whishaw. It's the right balance of to-camera narration when it needed to be, but also focusing on this hectic environment where you know, you are just swamped, you can't, you know, there's the the lady who keeps coming in saying, we need to free up these beds, we need to free up these beds, and it's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? You know, having worked in in similar, you know, similar industries, similar places where you're all being measured by statistics all the time, but there is a human face to it as well, and it's hard to balance those two things. I think, you know, Adam Kaye and, and Ben Whishaw and the rest of the cast did an excellent job of sort of conveying that to people who might not be aware of that world. And it had that gallows humour to it, didn't it? And mm. I think that was representative of like the interactions he had with the two midwives who were both called Tracy. You know, his sort of lack of a personal life, you know, we've got his boyfriend ringing him and his friend who he's been a best man for and he's got this stag do that he hasn't really prepared for at all. And it just all worked. It was really well balanced. I enjoyed the mid-2000 soundtrack as well. Mm. I don't know if yeah. you did, Lee. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a piece years ago talking about how the BBC, in its, in its efforts to compete with the streamers or compete with HBO, whoever they were trying to compete with, they were losing the British storytelling aspect of their things. And I you think, wrote that last year, Luke. Mind you, a lot of the last two years is, is complete Because blur. it was about, like, there was whoever was, like, this. it was about the culture secretary or someone saying that there was a lack of Britishness. Ah. That's it, in the yeah. pro- You know, but, you are right that a lot of it was sort of very... Generic. Yeah, lack of, about... I- lack of identity, I suppose. Yeah. It could have been made anywhere was the, the point I was sort of making. They could have been on Walter Presents or they could have been on an American network. But the responder and this is going to hurt feel quintessentially British. They feel like they are shining a light on, on our world that we recognise, that we deal with worlds we know taking us inside them and exposing the realities and this did it with so much humor and attention and to detail and care i think a lot of people are put off by medical dramas and yes can i just make a point that 
given everything that happened to me past two years, I yeah. do have an allergy to hospitals. Like, I will not go anywhere near them. But this was not a scary show for me to watch. Obviously, no. trigger warning for anyone who's been through a traumatic birth. But yeah, it was so engaging that I what, wasn't scared. What I would say is I wouldn't think to call this a medical drama, really, because I think that sells it short. As I say, it's got that gallows humour, that sort of bouncy dialogue throughout that you can tell that he's got this anguish, but it's, it only comes out in those final scenes with that early birth and all that. I sort of saw coming, but I think the pace of the dialogue, the pace of it, it's not a medical drama. It's, it's a medical set piece, but it's more of a memoir. It's more his story than the story yeah. of the hospital, I, yeah. I suppose, what we should say. And it's seven episodes, and it's going to be all on the iPlayer from Tuesday night. I don't know whether I'll binge it, because I think I just enjoy being in that world, and I might watch it weekly, because there's not a lot on specifically Tuesday nights to watch. But another BBC drama that was great and another one actually that BBC One have poached from BBC Two to give it a bit more of a higher profile. It's This Is Gonna Hurt. It's on Tuesday night at 9pm. Now, Pam and Tommy on Disney Plus is next. Not only because I want to talk about it, but also because I've got a banana on my desk that I want to eat and I can't do it until we've spoken about Pam and Tommy. <laughs> Perhaps you won't yeah. want the banana. After no, perhaps it's won't. not a talking banana, is it? I haven't, I haven't healed the skin. I don't know. <laughs> it's a new, it's a new batch. It's a new batch, so quite possibly. Oh God! So Pam and Tommy is a brand new series that you can find in the UK on Disney Plus. This stars. Lily James and Sebastian Stunt as the titular Pam and Tommy and tells the story about how they and the world, well, specifically America, reacted when a sex tape they'd made for themselves went viral as the internet started to sort of become a bigger thing. As I wrote in my review, which you can find on the website, though, the first episode takes a bit of a risk in as much as we barely see Lily James's transformation into Pamela Anderson. I think she's in a few a few shots, but she doesn't have much dialogue. This first episode looks at the life of Rand Gautier, played by exec producer Seth Rogen. He's working as a contractor for Tommy Lee, the drummer of Motley Crue. He is working with a colleague, and every time they do something on this new master bedroom that they're creating, Tommy Lee changes things and wants more done, he wants a waterbed, he wants the bed moved, he wants this, he wants that, much to Rand's uh, annoyance because he hasn't actually paid them anything yet and everything's coming out of their own budget. Then he's fired unceremoniously by Tommy Lee who holds his tools uh, ransom and, and just makes his life a misery so he sets about to get some revenge. Uh, he steals the safe from Pam and Tommy's bedroom. The safe contains a lot of things he can sell, like a watch and other stuff, but also a, a cassette tape which features this sex tape that they have made in the privacy of their own home on, I think, their first night together in the new house. So he gets his hands on that. He's a former p porn performer, which is a hard sentence for me to say. I did that well. And he works alongside uh, Nick Offerman, who here is playing Uncle Mitty with a great beard and just being the most Nick Offerman Nick Offerman can be. He's a porn director. And together they set about trying to sell this tape 
unbeknownst to Pam and Tommy. The second episode features the getting together of the couple. It's 1995. They meet each other at a club. Tommy is immediately obsessed with Pamela. She tells him that she's going to Cancun and he says, oh, I'll come. No, you won't. I don't want you there. Oh, I'll come. He ends up going to Cancun and after four days of divorced partying and everything, they get married on the beach. It's wonderful. Then they get home and they realise they don't know where each other's where each other lives. They don't know anything about each other. They just have no real connection outside of that party life that they experienced in Cancun. The third episode focuses more on Lily James's Pamela Anderson. She's in the iconic red swimming costume of Baywatch. She's on scene. She's preparing a big monologue that's her first big piece of dialogue to deliver on screen. She's been rehearsing it. She rehearsed it with Tommy Lee and she's very passionate about getting it right. And then that gets cut when the directors think it's just more fun and easier for her to run up and down on the beach because that's what people like. I think uh, what it is is they don't trust her either to no, deliver they this. They don't they, think she's capable of no, delivering And they don't so. think the people would be that, but, you know, they, they yeah. think she's there to be the eye candy, not to be an actress, really, you know, not to deliver these sort of big monologues. So she's down about that. She's got a movie coming out as well. She goes and sits with another agent and sort of says, well, I want to be the new Jane Fonda because she's got this movie career, but she's also a businesswoman and everybody respects her and that's how I feel. That's how I feel that I would like to be. Meanwhile, Uncle Mitty and Rand are still trying desperately to offload the copies of this tape. They go around to every porn distributor and they say, well, you haven't got... You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tura Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show, Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh, yes. La buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Como un buen vecino, State Farm está allí. The releases, so we can't do it, and then he thinks, well, we'll release it on the web, and uh, that's when it all becomes this massive thing. Pam and Tommy at the end of episode three, still blissfully unaware that uh, the tape is going to destroy their lives and their burgeoning relationship. Episode 2 has a sequence where Tommy Lee talks to his penis about when, think... whether he should marry her, what he should do, 
because he wants to wait for some reason um, bef- until they're married to have sex with Pam and he has a chat with his penis which um, is apparently ripped directly from his novel slash memoir and is not a TV trope but is actually something that, I don't, that he I don't know about happened. you guys but the urethra as a mouth I could cope with but not it moving around like it had an elbow that was too freaky for me I didn't have an issue <laughs> I'm going to put it bluntly. It was not interesting enough as a drama. Not enough happens. And it was not sexy enough to be titillating. Boom. I bet you didn't expect me to say that. I'm uncomfortable about it as well. Pamela Anderson was famous for getting her tits out in Playboy and running around on the beach in swimwear. But that is not a defence for people back in the 90s to watch her stolen sex tape. This drama takes her image and her story and rakes it all up again and makes money off it without her consent. She did not want this drama to happen. Um, I think Tommy Lee didn't really care either way. No, he gave so his, he was, he he gave was his like, blessing. He was, fine to, he was looking forward to watching it, but she has specifically said time and again she doesn't want this made. So this is, again, her image being used for other people's pleasure and financial gain. This was something that was confusing at the start of the internet, but surely by now everyone knows and everyone sympathises with people who have been subject to revenge porn, deep fakes, and your image being out there or your words being out there being taken out of context and you having no control over them. So her stupid sex tape is stolen and released to the world and she can't ever escape it. And it's in episode three where we see that she, you know, she doesn't want to be pigeonholed as an actor like this anymore. She wants to do proper acting. And so not only does it sort of implode her sense of self and, you know, all the terrible things that have happened to her before and since, but it's something that's going to you know, derail her future sort of career. Whereas I think probably Tommy Lee came out of it looking good because men always do in these things. Well, um, yeah, know. so basically my concern is that by making this show, by watching this show, we're repeating the same mistakes that people did in the late 90s. And I don't see how the programme makers can go, oh, but this is different because it kind of fundamentally it isn't. I think it might be at four, actually, which as we talk, it isn't out there where they discover the tape is out there and Tommy Lee is fine with it and Pam is devastated, in tears, and she does say, this is fine for you, you're a man, you'll come out of this looking cool, I will be seen as a, I don't know what word she uses, so I'm going to use a very British phrase, a tart, forever, and that's my image ruined. And so it did, my only thing to say to your argument is, A, that unfortunately you don't need permission from people i know it'd be nice to to get it but you don't need it and b i think it is the most sympathetic thing i have ever seen about pamela anderson i think they paint her with broad strokes i think they paint her as as human and uh, aware of the world that she has found herself in of the fame she's found herself in and how uncomfortable she is with that and how she wants to shake off the image that's sort of been created for her And I think if she were to watch it, although it would be traumatic, I hope that she would be happy with the way she comes out because I viewed her completely differently having seen all of this. I think she's the best thing about this. Lily James is the best thing about it. It's a deeply human performance and I think it paints her in a really good light. If they'd have had her part of it, like they had Monica Lewinsky on The Last American Crime Story... I might have been thinking, well, of course they're going to paint Pamela Anderson this way because 
Pamela Anderson's involved, they're not going to want to paint it any other way. But I think without her involvement, she's still come out of it really well, I think. She's the person you feel immediate empathy for. Uh, and I, I just think it couldn't have gone any better as far as that's concerned. I have a strange relationship with these sort of shows and it's all stemmed from American Crime Story. I just find it fascinating that I lived through all this. I mean, I was 12 and this was all happening. I find it fascinating that these things happened in my lifetime and yet I wasn't really aware of them. And I found it even more fascinating the more it gets on. It talks about the media's role in everything and the, the, the court scenes are really fascinating where they try and get the tape banned and they go after people who are bootlegging it because later on Rand finds that people have found their own way of distributing it and they're selling it in the parking lots of Virgin Records and Tower Record stores in LA. It becomes this massive thing that people think is okay to consume and I just found it fascinating. I think the first episode takes a risk though in just focusing solely on Rand and Tommy Lee and and his life because I think a lot of people will be tuning in solely to see Lily James's Pamela Anderson and they don't get it in that yeah. first one. I think the reason they drop these three episodes is you get the revenge side first, then you get the meeting. I don't quite know why they did it in that order. Then you get the third one where it really showcases Pamela Anderson, who she is, how she sees herself versus how the world sees her. By the end of those three, I mean, I've seen it all, but by the end of those three, I was really interested in it and really fascinated and that it wouldn't happen now. I think I fought more on Sarah's side than yours, Luke, if I'm honest. But I will agree with everything you are saying about the portrayal of Pamela Anderson. And if I hadn't you know, read the similar article that Sarah did about her not being involved, I would think she was involved with this because they portray her as someone who knows her own mind, knows how people see her and wants to better herself. Lily James is fantastic in that role, shows her as a fully rounded character and someone who wants to leave that world as a sex symbol and someone who was completely a victim in this, really. It was one man getting revenge against another man and unfortunately she got caught in the crossfire and, and nobody thought how she would feel because she's just the woman who prances around on TV in this skimpy swimsuit and, and you know, that's what she's known for, really. But you are right about Rand. He's a really uninteresting guy to follow, you know. I think it might have been in Seth Rogen's performance, maybe, that I just did not feel anything for him at all and he was the main focus of the first episode and quite significant in the third episode as well. Once they pair him up with Nick Offerman, he's a bit more bearable. But when he's on his own and we've got this plot about him, his wife, who's a adult film star, is now in a relationship with a woman. I didn't really care about any of that. Tommy Lee in that first episode is portrayed as an awful person. You know, you do. They I do think try he's and... portrayed as an awful person. Yeah, throughout, but really, you say that they do try and give you some sympathy towards him. And there's that third episode. I think it's the third episode where he's sitting down watching behind the music and saying how mm. now Motley Crue were past it. And I think they are trying to give you that. You know, he feels like he still needs to make a difference because he's not the the guy he was in his heyday. That felt to mm. me like they are trying to give him some sort of personality, some sort of reasoning behind why he is acting like this wild man of rock, why he's 
going up licking people's faces in nightclubs. What I would have liked, and I think Luke, what you gravitated towards, was Pamela Anderson's story, which I think mm. I would have liked to have heard because everything that focused on her was really good and really compelling, but everything else around it, as Sarah says, this silly heist plot. And actually what I watched as well, and it was something that was just randomly popped up on I or a link on one of the BBC sites to iPlayer, there's a Ruby Wax thing where she meets Pamela Anderson. Mm-hmm. It was her sort of recent series where she retrospectively commenting on the interview she'd done in the 90s. And actually you can see that side to Pamela Anderson these segments she has with Ruby Wax. And she said, actually, I thought she was this bimbo as well, but she surprised me with how similar we were. We actually really got on and I was surprised by her. I thought she was this bimbo as well. And I don't like those sort of women. I thought it was kind of sweet and certainly what I wasn't expecting. Both Tommy and Pam seemed to have very strong family values. You know, they weren't having sex until their wedding night, but that's only to sort of, you know, heighten the excitement of it all. But the fact that they both really wanted kids and they were both 100% desperate for a baby. I think he's an army brat, so that kind of makes Mm. sense that he would want a family. I just thought it was quite kind of nicer than I was expecting. It's about two people who find themselves in this extraordinary situation who actually on top of everything else, don't know much about each other. Mm. So that the, there's a sequence the scene in the, the car was great where yeah. they were coming home and going, oh, where, where do, do you, you live? even live? Yeah. And then on the plane, they were like, so what movies do you like? Yeah. <laughs> All they a... knew was that they liked holidays Cl- and E. Yeah, and clubs. <laughs> and drinking, uh, yeah. And, and so there's a sequence in that upcoming next episode where they find out they're pregnant, but they lose the baby. It was well documented at the time. It's not a spoiler for the show. And so you, you you start to empathise with even Tommy Lee there, who is trying to hold this marriage together. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbour you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tura Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Under tremendous strain, then this awful tape comes out and exposes them even more. And I, I found it surprisingly warm, surprisingly sweet, surprisingly favourable to this couple that had been tabloid fodder the whole time I was in the States. I'd see them on the cover of all those awful magazines that you see at the front of supermarkets and the like. And I think it did well at remembering that these were people. They weren't caricatures. They were people. And um, so I don't Luke, think I can convince you to carry on. But Can I, think... can I just ask you a question then, Luke? And yeah. Having seen, you've seen all of it, you said. Yeah, yeah. Having seen all of it, do you feel like they needed to focus as much on Rand as they did in these first few episodes? They focused too much on, on Rand for my liking. As you said, I don't know why they couldn't have swapped around those first two episodes, really. I don't know... Mm. It would have been much more interesting looking at the development of this it relationship. Was, it was hurts. certainly the second one in comparison. The second mm-hmm. one was much more vibrant. It was louder. Mm-hmm. It was 
And Shall we? Uh... Would you have a similar opinion to myself and Sarah had you just stopped at three? I mm. was in after three, though, yeah. personally. I like okay. the three that I saw. How did you feel what? after one? Yeah, I mean, I, like you, I wasn't intrigued after mm. one. But, I, but but the thing that was intriguing was I wanted to see how well Lily James did Pamela okay. Anderson. And as soon as, we, as soon as we were in that world again, I was like, okay, this is interesting. Mm. I want to see them. What it perhaps gets wrong is it, it doesn't make anyone the villain. I think that's perhaps where he's gone wrong. So he sort of shows Rand as... He's not this bad guy that released this tape. He's just a struggling but, contractor who... And I think that's where he goes wrong because... And I think that's going... I think that's going back to... That's going back to Sarah's point, I think, a little bit as well, isn't it? What you were saying is that this man did compromise their privacy, really. Mm. And, and change the course mm. of their life and their marriage. Yeah, it was, and... it was, he, he profited hugely from a burglary, from a mm. crime. Even well, though, of I, course, the internet, I mean, still yeah. today, but especially back then, was the world, the world West, and, and therefore uh, he couldn't be prosecuted. As it happened, he didn't profit at all. But, I mean, that's by the by. But what he did do is he set a chain of events off that wouldn't have occurred if he hadn't have broken in and stolen that safe. They don't need to justify anyone else's behaviour, really. Pam and, no. Pam and Tommy made this private tape. Tommy, you know, he is a bit of an arsehole, but generally they made this tape. He made that decision to steal from Tommy. He wasn't asked to, him, fair enough, then to make this he tape public. Like, which, that, he could have chucked which, that tape he, away yeah, or kept it He didn't have to himself. do at all. If they just, this is the guy, this is why it happened, that's fine. But the yeah. fact they spent so much time making him sympathetic in that first episode and then showing this relationship with his ex-wife, it, mm. it leaves a little bit of a, a sour taste in my mouth, really, because I'm thinking, why do you feel like you need to justify so much about this guy? Yeah. You, you know, we don't really care about this guy. As you say, we want to see Pamela Anderson, we want to see Lily James as Pamela Anderson and her relationship and how it affected her. But the fact you are spending so much time on this guy and trying to justify his actions, I think that might be the issue that I certainly had with it. Where the script goes slightly wrong in those early episodes is saying, look, he was just a guy who was trying to do the best for his family and he couldn't pay his electric bill and he got in over his head. But actually, like you say, you don't need any of that. For me, it shines when the focus is on those two title characters despite my dislike of how the production has come about i swear i was honestly willing to give it the benefit of the doubt if it was good and i just honestly didn't think it was good enough from from what i'd heard about it from you know lily james's amazing transformation that got everyone talking last year these little sort of details that we were looking forward to i thought it was going to coalesce into something really really good and to my mind it just didn't were you compelled by the the pamela anderson stuff because that's the bits that i liked yes. but yeah yes. so that scene you would sort of agree about... with agree with me in terms of that may have been the story that you this, wanted that to was see. definitely that yeah. was the highlight yeah and Which i, I can't fair, convince seen less you brand, you might have seen of less of nick offerman and that would have been very sad because <laughs> you know it's not our job on here to convince each other to watch more but i think it becomes more of pamela's story as it goes on because it's her I... trying to fight to clear her name it's her trying to fight to get the tape removed it's her coming to terms with the way the world sees her and i think lily james excels at every turn doing that 
And I think my my personal favourite scene was when they were in bed together watching The King and I. And I think mm. you got that little private moment, sort of goofy moment between them. And... Where they're letting each other in mm. on something that nobody knows about mm. them, sort of thing. I thought it was... And, the, and of course, the getting to know you was mm. obviously a brilliant metaphor for the fact mm. they didn't know each other at all. Pam and Tommy is on every Wednesday for the next five weeks on Disney Plus and on Hulu. Next up, Sheridan Smith's back on the podcast. Great. We haven't seen her in a while. No, Sheridan haven't. Smith is coming on the podcast more often than I am. Unless Sheridan Smith's playing Sarah and just doing a really good Ooh, job. She's we so don't know. good at it. She loses <laughs> herself in the role. I thought I thought the real Sarah couldn't afford to go to that fancy restaurant. I must admit. She can't, but she went anyway. That's the problem. <laughs> this is a brand new four-part ITV drama called No Return. This is about a family that go on holiday together to Turkey. Sheridan Smith is Kathy. Her husband, Martin, who was last seen being awful to her in Four Lives. Michael Gibson is the actor. Yes, Michael Gibson. They're on holiday with their Kathy's sister, played by... John Brooke and her husband. Kathy's got two teenagers, a 14-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son, Noah. And so they start this holiday. There's a rep there trying to get them involved in games and Noah is approached by this young girl who says, we're all going to a party tonight. Would you like to join us? He says, okay, let me know when it's happening. He gets a, not a WhatsApp, what is it? What's the other one the kids use? So Snapchat, Snapchat or Snapchat? I, Snapchat. I have no idea what Snapchat is. I'll admit it here now. I have no idea I what it is. I believe, just because I've, you know, done some work in children's services. Go on. Oh, well, they, then you're down with the kids. Yeah. Um, I believe it's like a messaging service where the messages disappear and possibly mm-hmm. after 24 hours. It's a snap. He goes off to this party. His dad says to him, you've got your money, you've got your phone. They wake up in the middle of the night about 4am, they haven't heard from him, they try him, his phone goes to voicemail, then a bit later on in the evening he is... Well no, it's the same same time, they ring ring him and he doesn't answer and then he comes in. The police come to his door, take him to the police station, his mum, dad and sister are, are very afraid as you would be, it then comes to light that he has been done for abusing somebody at this party your mind goes immediately to the young girl that you met on on holiday and then cleverly from writer danny brocklehurst it isn't it's a younger boy i think they say a couple of months don't they because he's 16 and the lad is probably like 15 and nine months so like noah has uh, had something to do with it it then transpires that this means that they're wondering, you know, is he gay? It's sort of known that he's got this temper, though, and can flare up, mm. and they sort of go, everybody knows what he's like when he's in a temper, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. They find this Turkish lawyer who is basically Manuela of 40 Towers. How you say this, how you say that. They want to press charges that Noah will be held in Turkey. He's gone to prison, and they're given the option... Uh, to bribe the police because Turkey's had a lot of issues what with Covid hitting there and hitting it badly the tourist industry and also the terrorist attack that took place a couple of years before that has tarnished the image of Turkey so they want to be seen to be doing the right thing and coming down hard on these Brits abroad who commit crimes this is a tricky one for me because Danny Brocklehurst has written some good stuff it is um, exec produced by Nicola Schindler, who is probably one of the reasons I'm running the site now. She's done some brilliant stuff. It's the Sin, Happy Valley, 
you know, all all the Russell T. Davis stuff, most of the Sally Wainwright stuff, and exec things like Cracker and all the things I was obsessed with in the early days of running the site. But for some reason, this just felt objectively bad to me. And I, I'm sitting here now, and I still can't quite put my finger on what it was about it, because I was thinking the Luke who would get these recorded on a cassette tape in 2004 would have lapped this up. But the Luke, who is a lot older in 2022, just found this really hard going. It's, it's sort of easy to relate to. You can sort of put yourself in that situation of being in a foreign place and being out of control. And it's bad enough when your son's taken into custody, but having to fight his name in a place that you don't quite understand the rules or the etiquette for, I don't, I don't know. I just found it objectively bad. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why but it just felt really floppy and empty in a lot of ways and I thought Sheridan Smith who usually lifts any material she's given she did it last week in the teacher a show that I would say was again bad but lifted by her performance I just found her really irritating in this and that is not the way I normally feel about her Sarah help sorry mate can't help you got three words for you it was shite but why? But, but why? But why? I can't put my finger on why. I, I just don't know. Okay. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I don't know. It, maybe it's just like you say, you know, in the past 20 years of sort of prestige TV, we've seen this before. We've seen what? it before so often. And it's I don't think we boring. have, because I can't, I can't put so my finger on I've got a couple of ideas. A, what we praised the teacher about last week, is that they barely give you any setup about this family. They get in Turkey, goes to the bar, it's 10 minutes before the police arrive. Mm -hmm. It's very bullet points, you know, they're embarrassing the kids. They're sort of pushing him towards going because they want him to hook up with this girl, which is a bit weird. We don't really get a lot about the sister. They're going on this holiday because she wants to save her marriage. The sister does. And there's this thing about her her husband up to weird stuff and mm. disappearing and busy seems with work. Completely, completely pointless and unrelated to anything that's going on. So, and therefore, really, again, another boring element. 
I think as well, the focus is on the family rather than on Noah. That might be another reason. This mm. is Noah's story, but we're seeing it through the eyes of his, you know, not annoying parents, but very poorly drawn, I would say. You know, yeah. the, they sort of communicate the characteristics rather than talking as actual humans. Like, she'll say, you know, I'll have to wear the trousers again. You know, this is, he's quite a sort of beta male rather than, and she sort of, takes charge in the relationship, goes to the other hotel to try and find the boy who's made the accusation. A lot of the action, as you always say, Luke, as well, happens off screen. So we don't actually see him at all at this party. We can see that he's being threatened by the police officers in Turkey to admit to this crime. We see actually, but we only see a little bit of that before it flashes away to the family again. My thing I keep coming back to is a thing we watched nearly 10 years ago was common with Nico Miguelegro and, and that family where they do something and they're all caught up in joint enterprise and the focus is on the people that it's happening to but also the people in their inner circle. But you're right, the fact we see none of Noah, we don't empathise with him because he is literally kept away from us and it's really hard to empathise with these thinly drawn parents because they're and just doing what any normal parents would do. And as you say about Danny Brocklehurst, he has done some really good things in the past. I was reading the interview with him where he was saying he knew someone who was tangentially involved with something similar where, you know, they'd gone on a package holiday and it was a legal case in a foreign country and they didn't understand the legal system. There is some really clunky dialogue. They asked the sister, oh, have you ever known him be interested in boys? She says, no, but I haven't been seen him interested in any girls, girls either. either. As you say, the lawyer character is almost out of a completely different show. He comes in this yeah. flashy sports car, blasting the boys are back in town. Yeah. He feels like he'd be more at home in Pam and Tommy than this sort of quite po-faced ITV drama. He's got a wonderfully shiny suit. <laughs> yeah. It's bereft of subtlety is one thing I would say as well. You know that what Brocklehurst says in his interview is that it's that thing where we go on holiday to these countries and it's all very British because we're on the resorts. You know, it's the karaoke, it's the all-you-can-eat buffets. We don't know the world outside. Yeah, we don't know the world outside and it is actually quite harsh and one we don't understand. But I think the way they've gone about it they lose the subtleties of the story he wants to tell. Sheridan Smith partly took it up because it was all shot in Malaga and she got to take her son with her, apparently, and there's a big bit where she was talking about having a nanny on set. I do hope all the cast enjoyed their holiday. I did say this before, but I did not enjoy the drama. And Luke, did you know, I didn't realise this when we were talking about it, most of the teacher was filmed in Budapest, even though it was set in Bradford. Are you joking? <laughs> I oh, read Christ. this. There was an article in The Independent about it. I didn't put two and two together because she was talking about shooting in Budapest for four weeks before then shooting No Return, but she didn't say what she was shooting. It was only a couple of weeks later, a couple of days later, where I saw an article flash up on Twitter that said how the teacher made Budapest double for Bradford. And I'm that like, why is... did they shoot it in Budapest? That <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> bonkers i mean i won't be watching anymore i just don't think it's well i'm surprised that some people have actually been promoting this on on twitter and saying oh i was really engrossed in it i really enjoyed it like other tv journalists who previewed it were were quite uh, positive about it so you've got anything else to elaborate on other than it was shite no 
Sorry. Okay. <laughs> do, you know, do you know when he said at the start that this was a bumper episode, like we've seen so many shows, we've seen six, and I was like, no, we haven't. <laughs> I'd literally forgotten that we'd watched this. That is my succinct review. If this was the BBC, it would have had more depth. It would have had more time. But I just think they've got to get to the bit where they... This is they a four, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They've got to get to the police, uh, part where the police come before the first ad break, so you'll keep going, even mm. though most people who watch it will probably have a vague idea of what it is if they've seen trailers and stuff. But mm. it just felt woefully empty and thin to me, and I, I don't like feeling that way because a lot of people behind the scenes I really respect. I mean, I don't think it's available anywhere, but Exile with John Sim, Olivia Coleman, and Jim mm. Broadbent is still one of the best BBC dramas for a long time, and that was Danny Brocklehurst. So he is more than capable. The best and the worst on the box. It's the Custard TV podcast. They're too good to be true. One of these next three shows that we will discuss... I didn't get to the end of the episode. Put your guesses in now. But, but it's there's more no fun. costume drama this week, Luke. <laughs> no, there's not. But there is one that I just didn't get on with. Should we put our cards down now, Sarah? I'm going to say it's Chloe. Yes. Mm. There's two. I think you could be right with Chloe. If Luke didn't see to the end of a show that was under 30 minutes, I'd be disappointed. The curse was only sort of 25 minutes, so I think he would have persevered with that because it was short. Shall I speak for a bit? Should we do suspicion? Yeah, I've missed you. You're very Aww. good at This is on Apple TV+. Plus. I think, is it the first two episodes are up there at the moment? Is yes, that right? they are. Yeah. Another show based on an Israeli series. We all need to move to Israel. <laughs> Called False Flag. Yeah, I think it was on Walter Presents not that long oh, ago, it? but I, I didn't see it. The opening scene of this, we see a scene in a hotel from a CCTV camera... There are four figures all wearing uh, masks of the royal family. I believe it's the Queen, Prince Charles, Prince William and Kate Middleton. The person who is kidnapped in this scene is Leo, who is the son of a CEO of a PR agency who helps uh, sort of clean things up. Catherine Newman, who's played by Uma Thurman. We then go to the UK and meet these sort of diverse range of characters uh, who are all linked. So we've got uh, Kunal Nayar, who I hadn't realised till I did some reading, was Raj from the Big Bang Theory. Yes, he is. Playing this character called Ardesh Chopra, who is an IT expert. He lives with his wife and his wife's family. They treat him a little bit like dirt. They want him to be part of the family firm. Uh, they're really struggling for money. He, like all of these characters, has just come back from New York. Georgina Campbell as Natalie. It is her wedding day, um, the the first the day of this episode. She finds out that her mum has borrowed money from a loan shark to pay for was it a ring or a dress? Yeah. Or something? Uh, we see her going back to her flat to get this money. She as well has just come back from New York. So there is a question mark where all these, you know, she's got this bag full of, of dollars. We have also got uh, Elizabeth Henstridge as Tara. She is a lecturer in Oxford University who takes a shine to a student who is quite mouthy, but it comes from a underprivileged background. And we find out that, that Tara has the same thing. She's a single mum. Uh, again, just got back from New York. Throughout the episode, all these three characters get arrested 
for the kidnapping. We then also meet this character called Sean Tilson. He's on a flight to Belfast. He's portrayed as this master of disguise that he manages to get off the plane without being detected by donning a, a, a new identity. And we then see him sort of violently steal a motorbike and go off into the distance. No Emmerich playing a very American named character called Scott Anderson and playing Ooh. his character from the Americans as well, by who is the agent, the American agent who's sort of been drafted in by Uma Thurman's Catherine Newman to sort of represent her almost in this investigation. Angel Colby comes into it as the lead investigator and the three characters who've been arrested are all pacing around in their cells and no Merrick saying, you know, I'm watching, you know, are you ready to rock and roll? So that's sort of where the first episode ends. Is any, did anyone go on to watch the second one? No. no okay, no. okay, that's fine. That's fine. I just thought I'd check. I didn't uh, want to show my hand too no, Um This is a show run by Rob Williams, who is a uh, British writer who uh, recently bought a screw on Channel 4. And it's directed by uh, Chris Long, who worked actually a lot on The Americans, Luke. Mm, um, yeah. But a lot of like shows like Without a Trace and things like that, The Mentalist as well. So let me go to you first on this, Luke. What, what were your thoughts? Well, it's fascinating that Apple TV Plus has a really interesting slate of shows coming up. And they've got a lot of things, and they've done a lot of things previously set in the UK. Ted Lasso, obviously. They've got a sitcom with Rafe Spall called Trying... And it's interesting that Apple have really latched on to the UK and this is another UK set story. And I think it did a good job setting up the kidnap and it did do that thing I like where it spends enough time with all these characters and you do learn about them before their fate is sealed. But I can't ever say that I was really 100% invested in it because it just felt, again, like all these people were quite thinly drawn I am somewhat interested in how they all connect, and I think they do all connect. Felt like one of those airport novels that I either get into straight away or I'm just watching for the sake of the podcast. I was never really 100% invested. It does do that thing that I always find clunky. It's a thing of mine where the US and the UK come together. There's there's like nowhere in Rick uh, in this sort of very generic FBI headquarters watching everybody. Uma Thurman, who's sort of been wrongly named as the star, is virtually, from what I can tell, only in handfuls of episodes. It's and Uma Thurman, isn't it? It's very much yeah, and it's Uma one of them. Thurman. And he was in this lot... one for about thirty seconds, long yeah. enough for me to go, "Oh, I wonder if that's Uma Thurman or someone who looks just like her." And then she but was it, gone. This was the one where I was like, "I'm sure there are six shows. I can't remember. Oh yeah, I've done that one already." It didn't stick with me. It didn't feel very weighty. I didn't have a hard time with it. Like some of these, some of these take themselves really seriously. And I like that it spent time introducing you to who these people were and how they could maybe be involved in something as ridiculous as this plot to kidnap this guy. But I, I in no way felt, oh, I must watch on. And uh, which is fine because I've got plenty to watch on. But yeah, I just, I didn't connect with it to the degree I was hoping to. It's an airport novel. It was fine. But I really did want the Thompson family to be okay because I love Lydia West. Look, it's Jill from It's a Sin. She can't be involved in anything naughty. She's lovely. And I read a review which does say that she becomes more sort of 
comes into you'd it more so. as it goes on. Yeah. The, the, the overriding plot, of that apparently, caliber, yeah. you'd hope you'd be in it quite a lot. Is them trying to sort of clear their names, really. And there is another character who comes into it who is the son's friend from Oxford, who's like the fourth, like actually, or the fifth accusee sort of thing. And it's. Yeah, I know, I know for a fact that the police would never bust out a wedding, grab no. a bride from the no. altar and take her to prison. That is no. not a thing that would happen. It no, absolutely not at all. Although that, that, was, a, that was a cracking scene, though, wasn't it? was it? beautiful, wasn't it? It looked incredible, but that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't wreck someone's wedding, especially because, you know, they could well be innocent. And you never know, like, who in the wedding party is going to kick off. So that, that was just really silly, but very beautiful. In fact, I think that sums it up rather well. This is really silly, but very beautiful. <laughs> I hate it when you review it in one sentence and it's taken sorry, me like 10 minutes. Sorry, The guy coming into the Belfast airport, I wasn't sure if he had a certain specialist set of skills or whether he was a drag queen because that was a quick change. I mean, he, the wig was bad, but otherwise, you know, he was serving looks, girlfriend. They Baby would never the let you. They would never let you use the loo while they... they, they apparently, no, they, he was in the Not loo if, while if they were landing. Because nice when they came out of that toilet, they'd already landed. That Not just doesn't happen. Not also, he gets out a handful of passports while he's in the loo to choose his next identity. Yeah. Well, like It's been a long time since I've flown anywhere. To be fair, it's been a long time since anyone's flown anywhere. Yeah. But if you go to give your passport over to get checked on your way into a country... Then they ask you for your boarding pass as well. And like yes, his boarding pass is not going to match his hastily grabbed new passport, is it? No, Especially in Belfast, you would think there's security. Yeah, you would think would they would take things If it was easy. like one of those sort of Caribbean islands where they're all a bit chilled out, perhaps. <laughs> and unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, and I want better things for them, but Angel Colby and Georgina Campbell, they just sort of scream middle-of-the-road drama to me at this point. Both of them deserve better than a- anything they've done of late, really, because they're both great. And apparently her, again, having read a review of the whole series, Angel Colby apparently is one of the best things about it. We barely oh, saw quite... her in this first episode, no. so it's hard to judge. One of the reviews like. I said was it's a thriller that that lacks a lot of thrill. The review, it was from the AV Club, who I always, always think are quite trustworthy who describe it as the first aggressively average thriller of 2022 which i think is <laughs> which is what i said about right. the teacher last week was aggressively fine <laughs> but, but you yeah. started this by saying shall i watch a second suspicion i just thought it would get a because there are two available You're doing that a lot today what Nice. One, because there was two available. And, and B. And two, because we, we'd sort of afforded the same logic to Pam and Tommy, hadn't we? We'd, we'd done yeah. three episodes. It does feel they're... like it will get going. When they've mm. done that thing, like in Unforgotten, of bringing everyone together. I was going to actually say Unforgotten, because this... Yeah. The, the, to me, as you say, that sort of amalgamation of the US and the UK, Luke... The UK scenes felt like I was watching the new series of Unforgotten. We were getting these mm. disparate characters. We didn't know the connection, but we knew there was a police investigation going on at the same time. But we got the disparate characters who all, you know, one's getting married, one's having issues with his wife's family, one is... I really know... hope that Belfast gets a chance to look lovely as well. Mm. We've only and... seen interiors so far. And then it was contrasted by, like you said, every time we were told where we were, we got almost like the the 24 incidental music mm, or like so mm. 
and the the big sort of CCTV screens that felt like I was watching me of Spooks. Oh, I felt like I was watching something like Person of Interest. Where I mean, this episode was called Persons of Interest because it was directed by an American, Chris Long, who has got that experience in these glossy thrillers, these sort of tense scenes. So the sort of the visuals didn't quite match the sort of storytelling, which was these sort of quaint British stories, and and I don't think it sort of meshed together for me despite really speaking of very british sort of parts i really liked the carpet selling asian family great they felt like a real family to me you know you need to get him a company t-shirt was my favorite yeah exactly you know he he wants to better himself he's ambitious he's a tech guy and he feels kind of like a fish out of water in his wife Mm. family and i thought that was really good I, i like how um again sorry luke but he she was like you went to New York. I thought you said you were going to visit your family in Birmingham. <laughs> like Sarah said about um, No Escape, I'd completely forgotten that I'd watched this. It's called No Return. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. I keep I'd forgotten no I'd watched this as it's well. Like, yeah. No holiday. Uh, no holiday I, for you. I went, I went back to watch it just to get a few sort of character names and stuff like that. And to remind myself just how bored Uma Thurman looked in that one scene. It's like, Uma, here's this money. Can you just stand next to Noah Emmerich and say these words, Also, please? poor Noah Emmerich. I love him. Yeah, and every time I, I keep waiting to go, come on, what's your next big thing? But yeah, just waiting for him to have another moment another, like he did. Another hit he deserves. Another, sa- yeah. another Stan Beeman like performance um but no yeah just very forgettable really i would say you know there's there's nothing here. That it reminded you of unforgotten unforgotten yeah <laughs> yeah but i it's... really think that we shouldn't draw too many parallels with no, one no. of the best dramas on tv no i mean apart from as i say it's just that different people in different parts of the linked. country who don't have any connection but are linked by a crime i suppose is what i'm saying that is on apple tv plus new episodes drop every friday I was sort of really hoping that was going to be good, and then it wasn't. And we've got six (laughs) shows to watch, and I kept forgetting that I hadn't done that one. Uh, Suspicion on Apple TV+. Plus. Let's continue on the drama front and talk about the one I didn't get to the very end of. Oh, was it, Chloe? Oh, (laughs) fair play. Because I saw the synopsis for it, and how it was about a girl impersonating someone to be friends with the cool kids on Instagram and I yeah. wanted to stick my fingers down my throat. It sounded no. appalling. You know your thing about people coming home from work, sticking on the telly yeah. and watching something. Do mm. you think that they read the synopsis, like Sarah just read the synopsis before watching, do you think they do or do they, do they just watch whatever comes on next? Because I didn't read the synopsis. I had a bare idea what this was and I really struggled to follow it initially. Mm. I, I, well, I, like, who the hell... Why mm. did she want to be friends with these okay. people? What I would say is, A, it's on Sunday night initially. <laughs> so that not a, a lot of people come home... Not a lot of people come home from work on a Sunday night. They do on a Monday. It's on a Monday too. Yeah, but the first episode is on on a Sunday. Oh. It does feel not like a 9pm no. Sunday BBC One And it's One not file. a good lead-in from Call the Midwife. Like the no. chorus was, perhaps. This <laughs> not. But what I would say is, I think your assertion that it possibly was online for a BBC Three airing makes more sense. Yeah. It does just feel a bit... Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Free, 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 free. 
free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Like a leash apart, really. And again, Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, this get is airing. Another sort of get it out of the way. Anyway, Sarah. Because it does have that sort of like, I know they're not terribly young, but it has a particular youthful energy and that youthful focus on comparing your sad, boring life to people's glossy, wonderful lives on Instagram. And so because of that, I thought, well, this isn't going to be for me. You know, I'm too old to understand the gram. We barely understand anything like that. So, yeah, you I called it the gram. Is that what the, the kids call it? I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, take it back. Well, Only Matt taught YouTube. me about Snapchat and now you're teaching me about Instagram. But I surprisingly into this. I oh, did I not expect you. to like it. Low standards, low bar, and it it, it sailed across it. Um, so Becky is Erin Doherty, a.k.a. the young princess Anne from The Crown. She's still living with her mum, who we assume has a dementia diagnosis. She's got a nurse who comes in to help, but we don't know for sure. Becky is working as a temp. She compares herself to this picture-perfect woman on Instagram. She's obsessed with this woman called Chloe. Chloe dies suddenly, and Becky sort of gets involved in kind of an investigation into what happened. She does this by making up this alter ego. Well, she gets a phone call, doesn't she, on the night she dies and doesn't know why. Yeah, and she doesn't realise that it's from this Chloe person. Mm-hmm. Becky becomes this well-connected, powerful, rich kind of like influencer type because she's just so good at lying. And Called bullshitting. Sasha. Sasha. Yeah, Sasha Fierce. It's really interesting, manipulative way that this woman gets into the lives of these people that she would never normally meet. Everybody knows by now that I have a significant issue with rich people problems but i kind of like a girl who can just go in she is causing the rich people problems and i kind of love it because she's so chaotic i'm also really very jealous of her because she's got a great memory for all her lies and her alter egos and she picks up on other people's conversations and she harvests information from social media with such single-minded determination. Honestly, like, move over, Villanelle. This person should be a spy. And she's got, I think it's that actress as well because she brought the same energy to Princess Amber. She's got such a wonderful poker face. You don't know what she's thinking, but you know that she's thinking deeply and quickly and she's going to turn every situation to her advantage. Yeah, I was bowled over really because i had such low expectations and it and it met them and exceeded them (laughs) i found this 
abysmal. I mean, absolutely. Like, really? Absolutely like, abysmal. I couldn't understand worse than the why. Sheridan Smith one. Worse than suspicion. Worse than Wolf of the Game. It was like her office was next door to Maxine Peake's to me. The way it was like she was temping in that office during the day, so it's on par with rules of the game. I don't think it did a good enough job of explaining to me why she was so fascinated with this girl in particular, how she was able to in- infiltrate her friends, why she even wanted to particularly, why she was interested in all, in all of them, and why she would be when she met them because they were all horrific people who I wanted to die immediately that there's we, we seem to always have sarah on when we when we have programs with pretentious dinner parties this was the worst one i think it was just the most abysmal piece of writing oh they were all horrible people they, without doubt yeah i know but they were it was all terribly performed i thought erin doherty was okay because she sort of had a bit of a chameleon about her like you say she was this good liar who could manipulate people and change situations but i just don't think it did a good enough job of explaining why this chloe was so mm. important to which her. we do find out at the end of the first episode Luke. Well, so if you had I to didn't, stop i didn't i stopped it after the dinner party because like mm. i'm gonna break something in the room if i don't <laughs> i thought it was one of the worst well, things i think ever. becky she says early on she loves temping because i don't think she wants ever to be tied down to anything she you know she lives with her mum as you said mum has got some sort of dementia um yeah, some alzheimer's perhaps she... because she said well she says at one point the nurse says to her at one point she forgot your name today so actually there is that element there and maybe as you said that's linked to her having such a good memory but i don't think we are meant to think that there is a connection to chloe other than she's happened upon the on instagram and she's got this aspirational well, life that Becky wants and actually I think the the intrigue then is why did she call me on the night and I think that's what the audience is meant to think what is the connection yeah. why yeah. is she called me the initial we, thing I, is how can this rich influencer she's an influencer she's married to a local councillor yeah. why on earth has she taken her own life if that was my friendship group you're going to be Switzerland and say this had good and bad but for me it was just bad so, yeah, um, it's a confusing one, really, because I think my comparison would be the replacement Luke from a few years ago with Vicky McClure and Morven Christie. All going back to something like single white female, hand that rocks the cradle, it's like this person pretending to be something they're not to infiltrate a group of quote-unquote normal characters. But normally we focus on the normal character and the, the influence this person has on their life and the disruption they cause and their aim to show everyone else that this character isn't what they seem. But in this, we're focusing on that character. That just seemed like the backdoor way into it for me. Like, we're focusing on a character who we know is unhinged. I mean, having, again, because I do do my research here, reading the, the press packs for all of these, the writer was Alice Seabridge, I believe. Seabright. Mm. And she Seabright. says, at her core, Becky Green is someone we can all relate to. Oh, sod off. <laughs> sod off. I would have liked to have seen more of the relationship with her mum because I liked her. I liked the actress Lisa Palfrey who played her mum. I thought those scenes were tender. I don't think they did a good enough job as well, Sarah, of establishing that thing where she's imagining conversations that other people are having about her in her head. Like because- a paranoia. 
yeah, I because, quite liked that because, because it is that sort yeah, of because I thought it's a nice visual representation, and it came as a shock each time. That's how her anxiety speaks to her, and you know, as someone with social anxiety myself, completely understood that. I hesitate to to put a gender on this show, but maybe it is more for women. Maybe it is more for young women than it is for men, perhaps. I did like the innuendo-ness of there's the scene where she says to the guy, do you want me to give you a helping hand? And then the next scene is her pouring milk on her cereal. I quite like that. Um, and the the Smith song, I haven't heard that in a while, so that was good to hear. That the, I just, I, there is that a light just, that never goes that out. That to me was the most annoying bit. Quotes on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere are super mm. annoying. And then the, the fact that they used it over, as the sort of the do music you, at the end really annoyed me. Do you want to me. talk about the twist? Because that really bizarred me out. That what um, is the twist? So I the twist is it. that Chloe and Becky were best friends as as teenagers. So actually, there is a connection there. That Smith song they used to listen to together, which again is bizarre because they would have been teenagers. What in? The early 2000s, mid-2000s. Because she yeah. says she refers to her friend as someone called Alex who died by suicide. I thought that was what she was flashing back to. Is Chloe Alex? No. Chloe is... She. I thought she was just making that up, the Alex stuff, oh, to get in right. with... The fact that yeah. we, we, we're not being able to... <laughs> but no, her... So, <laughs> so I, we knew there was a twist, but we both got yeah. different things out of it. But yeah, the, the, the a great show yeah. after all. Basically, the twist is that we don't think there is any... Like, obviously, Luke shut it off after 35 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Didn't think there was any connection between these women at all. And I think that's leading up to the fact that at the end, they are, as teenage girls, sitting on the bed listening to this Smith song, the quote of which she's then put on her Instagram, just before she suspiciously died they believe it was suicide but yeah there was just too many like i i like the central performance but everything else it was just a bit confusing as you said again it's sort of middle class problems even though they aren't the characters that we're particularly meant to like we're meant to like the unhinged master of disguise character who again we don't normally have to focus on in dramas like this so it was all a bit muddled for me I didn't think it was as abysmal as Luke did. Oh, you know, I, 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 I watched it fine. I can understand why people might like it. Again, it's one of those pot boiler thrillers. I didn't hate it, but I just, it didn't work for me because I thought the way they told the story was almost the wrong way around. I mean, I, I'm listening to all you guys and I'm thinking, actually, there's a lot more compelling things for me to be watching. But I was definitely surprised, mm. maybe because I went into it with, with, I didn't convinced I would yeah. dislike it. I was I was very surprised. Again, as I say, Erin's um, performance. Yeah, I thought that was the best thing about it. I thought you know, it felt a bit all over the place. Really, I don't find anything redeeming in this. I just think it was just. It's wrong to follow the tourists with this. Follow follow the tourists with this is going to hurt. You know that's what you should do. Don't follow this. With... So that's 45 minutes, Luke. We can't do that. I know, I know. Can't do that. That breaks the rules of television. But I just found nothing. And, the f and again, Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday. So why didn't they just stick it on BBC3 now? BBC3 is a channel. Yeah, it feels Christ so almighty. like a BBC3 thing. It's trying to be that sort of glossy, um, let's sympathise with the bad guy Netflix thing. And it feels <sighs> like the audience is going to be there for it on BBC3 and, and literally nowhere else. 
And finally, on this week's podcast, it's the curse. Oh, yeah, because we're going to spend a lot of time on this. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think we spend a lot of time on Chloe, to be honest. I've written again. about a paragraph on this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, no, this, it, is a, it is a thin this, paragraph. Yeah, so this is another sort of odd, you know, what is it? Because I know me and you, Luke, were talking about this. It's a new show co-created by Tom Davis, who's previously bought as Murder in Successville, and King Gary. It's half an hour on a Sunday night. You thought it was another comedy, didn't you, Luke? A sort of character well, it, comedy. It is a comedy. It is mm. a comedy. But Channel 4, when I was watching it last night, said our brand new drama on Sunday nights. That's how they really? described the curse. That's so, very confusing. Mm. What I would equate it to most is, is a Guy Ritchie type film you know it's got that cockney comedy drama you know comedy crime caper i suppose is the best way i think to mm. describe this because it's not as sitcom really is it? it hasn't got this you know if you're going into this having seen what tom davis has done previously it's not the same it's more heightened crime caper i would say and it's set in the early 1980s uh we follow the fates of Albert Fantoni and his wife Natasha. They run a greasy spoon cafe. They are down on their luck, not much money coming in. There are local gangsters who come in, run up high tabs and then say, oh, we're going to pay you in salmon. They are quite friendly with Tom Davis's character, who is a ex-boxer, Big McNeville. There's also wannabe gangster Phil Pocket. They're all friends, as is Natasha's brother, Sydney, who, who comes into the pub one day saying, I've got this new job as a warehouse. Who hand, they handle, <laughs> as a warehouse? At, at a warehouse. <laughs> He's working as a warehouse. At man. a warehouse, as a security guard. <laughs> the warehouse handles these cash shipments, so there's always money coming in. He says, it's just me and a couple of old timers. The gangsters who come into the calf get involved. Albert's wife, who's almost a Lady Macbeth-type character, Natasha, who narrates the piece as well, sort of convinces him to get involved. You know, she manipulates her brother to say, get my husband involved, we need the money. It gets taken over a little bit by these gangsters, but they all go to the security office. When they get there, there's barely any money there at all. But on the way out, Albert stumbles upon... Boxes and boxes of gold bullion that are worth millions and millions of pounds. But as we learn at the end, again, with Natasha doing the voiceover, that this mm. is completely cursed and she is the only one left to tell the story. Sarah, let's start with you and your thin paragraph. Thin, thin paragraph. Is, it, um, is that a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> I liked East London. I liked the fact that it was very firmly in the early 80s. It looks and it sounds the part. I'm surprised that you learnt all of those character names and I'm impressed. Well done, because I do. I may have the Channel 4 press pack up in front of me. Excellent. Very good, very good. Um, Peering slowly behind the curtain as we like. I did think that there were very funny moments. I did like the pub chat about how many girls George Michael's getting. Silly things like that. These are all very sort of like very weak men but all aspiring to be these these well, big the tom davis character references having read it in just 17 so yeah I, <laughs> I liked tom davis i can't get a lady boner about him in this because he looks like that and he's referred to as a big ape the whole time the brightly colored balaclavas were really silly it, it was very heisty but it just didn't seem to have the right tone for it 
felt like there was something lacking. It doesn't really have as much action as you would think for a heist. If anything, maybe it needed one or two more montages. Maybe it was a little bit too fast in places as well, because yeah. I, we didn't get to spend time with these, like, a thousand characters. I didn't hate it, but ugh, I don't know. I really do find... I love Tom Davis, and he's funny on everything that he turns up on, but a lot of his scripted stuff I find lacking. And maybe it's just we just, our sense of humour just doesn't align. He was just absolutely magnetic in Murder and Successful, and it was such a good show, and I just don't think because he's set the bar so high for himself that he can ever replicate that success again. It's got legs. It would be interesting. Like, it was basically in that final 30 seconds where it's revealed that everybody apart from Natasha is dead. That's the only thing that piqued my interest, I think. One thing that Matt didn't mention in his recap is that it's, it's loosely based on a true story. So hmm. these, are, these are real people that we're talking about. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, it does say right at the start, some of this is true or something like yeah. that. Some of this may have happened. A bit like yeah. The Great or a bit yeah. like Fargo. Mm. Well, not not Fargo, but certainly like The Great yeah. uh, does that as well. For me, I think the bits I laughed at, I'd already laughed at in the trailer. There, were, there, weren't, a, there weren't a lot. There wasn't a lot here on the comedy side. I think it's nice to see something set in the early 80s because that's a time period we don't see a lot. I don't have that relationship with Tom Davis. I find him a bit grating. This comes from the people, obviously, that did Murder and Success, Phil, and People Just Do Nothing, two shows that I just didn't get on board with, and those worlds coming together was never really going to set my comedy life on fire. It was fine. It's not stuck with me. It's not one that I'll think of again, not one that I'll watch again. There was no real character in there to go, well, I'm interested in her or I'm interested in him. There wasn't that grounding force for me to want to carry on all the way through and see how they come to such a awful demise, which they're bound to by the end of the series, unless it goes on for a second, in which case uh, they'll keep it going. But there wasn't enough going on for me. And, and I agree with Sarah, really, that I, I'm really questioning why it had to be 25 minutes, why it couldn't be the 45, you know, why they made the decision to have this as half hours. Mm. It felt like we needed, like, a double bill, really, to sort of set the scene a little bit more. Mm. And obviously they felt like they wanted to end with that line, you know, everyone else is dead but me, sort of that line. But again, yeah, it felt too fast, too many characters to introduce in 25 minutes. And we had the heist and we had the revelation that everyone died. I even wasn't a massive fan of the, the references. They all felt a bit clunky to me. You know, there's that whole thing about Breville sandwich makers that they have that conversation in bed about. None of the performances really. Yeah, I, I again, it was fine. It just it, it's not something that I'll particularly remember. And I think that's what we're saying about a lot of these shows this week, unfortunately. And I don't really have any strong feelings on Tom Davis either way. So there you go. And I hate to say the same things about all these programmes, but I love TV when it makes me think, when it makes me laugh, when it takes me into a world I don't know or changes my preconceptions like Pam and Tommy did. This just felt disposable to mm. me. And that's not... I don't like TV that's like that. I like to shout about it and say, oh, you should really watch the game. You know, it's around my sister and brother-in-laws the other night and they were asking for recommendations and I, I want to recommend good, diverse stuff. 
not just bulky dramas on the BBC or Netflix or whatever. But (laughs) The thing is, though, and we always say this about first episodes, obviously Mm. they're the hardest to write, they're the hardest to to get people interested in. Mm. Comedies especially need you to settle down and give it a couple of episodes. Yeah, I wish Um, that this had been, as you both said, and you're right, although I, I wasn't completely immersed... Maybe if it had been longer, it spent more time. If they had shown me what they did next with the gold, you know, mm. and and how they how they went about hiding it or distributing it or whatever, and I know that will come probably in episode two, but there was no hook there and certainly no grounding character. I think they should I... definitely have done a, a double bill. I don't understand why they they couldn't have done at least that, even if they wanted to make everything half an hour. But just I saw to get Emma Kenny, who Go stars on. in it, yeah. saying that from tonight from midnight it's all on all four so maybe just channel four just saying view it now on the uk's biggest so you can get through all of chloe and all of the curse before either air yes what you're saying well i think we made we made it guys we (laughs) made it looks like we made it and And i'm not going to be late for the train thank you so much well that's until we find out this wasn't recording uh, we are all, <laughs> we can all be found on thecustardtv.com. Sarah less so, and we've had words. But we can all Sarah be found. Less so. I'm barely on there either. I still love I know. you guys. And Sarah will be back doing her podcast duty next week where I will take a duck and dive. Is that I'm here as well, basically. Well, you're, you're like the tent pole that holds the whole podcast ship together. It's not a talking tent pole, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Depends what time and day we call you. I don't know. Um, So we'll be back soon. Uh, This has been another podcast. Bye bye. Bye. See ya. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho ho ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.